Stephen Jill here. Good day. Welcome to the House Academy Show, entertaining real estate investment talk. I'm Stephen Jack Butella. And I'm Jill DeWitt, broadcasting from sunny Southern California. Today, Jill and I talk about why SFRs are better than multi-tenant properties from an investment standpoint this day and age. Well, the obvious is a lot of people just don't feel like they need to pay rent right now. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have most more renters in a multi-tenant situation than a, I think an SFR situation. And the laws are changing, but we'll get to look it at in the a second. numbers on that. I'm curious. Before we get into it, though, let's take a question posted by one of our members on the HouseAcademy.com online community. It's free. Jeff wrote, when you close with title, do you use a full contract like this? Um, and that's a, a, a 13 page oh. a Texas real estate National Association of Realtors uh, or Texas. Got it. It's just a big 13 page agreement. Got it. In California, you, it's like 40 pages. Or do you use a basic? This is funny. We talk about this too. Or do you use just a basic purchase agreement? What do you send to the title company to, when you get the deal started? You know, it's funny. Thank you, Jeff. That's a good question. I'll answer that in just a second. Um, I just hired a new transaction coordinator who is a former title agent who is a former broker. And she said, when I started doing real estate deals in California, it was like a five page thing. And now we're like at a 45 or more page thing. It's kind of funny. I should have, I should ask her what days, what were the dates on that? We should even have her on the show sometime actually. We should. That would be really funny. Ask her some questions about that. I'm sure she has some We should have, uh, you know what we should do is have her uh, as a panelist for like a webinar. Yeah. And ask all those types of questions. Wouldn't that be, title oh, slash yeah, I could use Jan for that. Deal closing. That'd be really good. So yes, I'm very happy to have Jan. So to answer your question, um, the title, co- let me back up. I, I don't understand why there is this need to have all a, a nine or 13 or however many page purchase agreement when a cocktail napkin with two signatures will suffice. I agree to buy your your property. You agree to sell it to me for 12,000 bucks. Sign Uh, it, date it. And that's it. Scan it. Here you go. Title. We need to do this, by the way. The question is this. May I? We need to do that. I need to prove this to somebody, by the way. I'm going to do one on a cocktail napkin and just prove to people that's acceptable. Here's a, let's just take it down a couple notches. Do you need a purchase agreement to open escrow? Technically, no. No. Most escrow agents will do a, per, what you need to do is call him and say, hey, John, John, and here's his number. He's going to sell me his property for 12 grand. Uh, would you mind doing a purchase agreement? Oh, sure. I'm happy to do one. It's going to cost a couple hundred bucks. We have a template one we use. So do you need a purchase agreement at all? No. Do you need the stupid one that the state uses? No. Can you use the one that you actually send to people in our uh, mm-hmm. mailer? Yeah. The one page one that do. you made? Yep. That's the answer to the question. That's really it. That's totally fine. Um, I was going to take it a, a step further because everybody thinks that, you know, this 14 page purchase agreement is going to protect me. Okay, you signed, you know, you change your mind, but you sign. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to, even even my one-page purchase agreement. Could I go sue, try to sue somebody over that? It doesn't matter if it's a one-page agreement or a 14-page purchase agreement. I can hire an attorney and go after someone and, and, and try to sue them. But am I going to do that? No. Are bigger, longer legal contracts better Thank or you. worse for anything? Worse. Of course they're worse. A tremendous number of people in this planet believe that they're better. Mm-hmm. 
they believe that complicated stuff is better Mm -hmm. and that they're more protected Mm -hmm. you know and that's very very telling and the vast majority of the people that uh, are in our group believe what we believe Mm -hmm. that smaller agreements are easier less lawyers are better I can protect myself Mm -hmm. I mean at the end of the day it's a sign of the times my whole point too is this it's it's like Jeff don't make work hard for yourself um be prepared that sometimes things don't don't ha- go the way you want. There's going to be a time in your career, more than once, that someone's going to, at the last minute, going to back out of the deal. It's just going to happen. Are you going to spend your time and energy chasing him and no. getting mad about him? No. no. You're just going to walk away. He's His brother-in-law is going to decide to buy it yeah. the day before you're closing, and he's going to go dark, you know, or something. You know, or he might even have be nice to tell you, my brother-in-law bought it. Sorry, deal's off. Won't even lose any sleep over it. You know, yeah, it's gonna happen. And you know what? And the reverse is true. You might get sick to your stomach and go, "Oh my God, I missed something in my due diligence." Maybe title agent uncovers something, and you're like, oh, "I thought there was legal access," and they uncover there is no legal access, and you want to back out, and you're like, "Oh shucks, I can't. I'm in this agreement." You can back out. You can absolutely back out, and you can absolutely say. Holy cow, cow, dear seller, I didn't know it doesn't have legal access. This whole time, you and I were talking, uh, you let me believe that there was, or I, or I'm whatever it is, I can't do it now at this price. And you know, is he gonna come at you? No, you know, not, it's, we're 16, 17,000 deals in, you know. The bigger picture is do the right thing. That's all I have to say about this. Make it easier, do the right thing, things are gonna happen. It's okay. Just recover and move on. It's the nature of, of doing this, what we do. Exactly. Make it easy. Today's topic, why SFRs are better than multi-tenant properties. This is why you're listening. You know what I think? Yes, you I would love to know. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I think that, let's just let's just line them up equally. Never mind that I, I've, I don't have the numbers to support this right now, but I strongly feel that there are probably more multi-tenant uh, rentals than there are SFR rentals. Do you agree or disagree? There's, yeah, I agree with that completely. Okay, There's you. a lot of t- lot of apartments versus uh, Thanks. houses. Okay, for rent. So, um, so having an SFR rental thing, it's just a different mindset. You got a family in there. It's different people, but that's not even where <laughs> I'm going with that. What's so funny? It's so funny your perspective on this. Oh, okay. Mine's all money. Okay. Well, here's my. I don't really care about families. I know. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, and it could be a family and a rental. So that's those are still can be apples and apples. But my main point on this topic is, gosh, if I have a SFR, or if I have a multi-tenant, and say it's a four or eight unit, especially like a four unit, maybe even a duplex, got one person not paying their rent this month could sink the ship. That's all it takes. I'm afraid of that. Let's just say you're going to send a mailer out, and we've done recently done mailers for both. You're going to send a mailer out for houses to buy and mark up twenty to forty thousand bucks ish or more. Mm-hmm. Or you send a mailer out to multi-tenant properties like four, five, eight unit buildings, whatever, or some number like that. Those two types of properties are valued dramatically differently. Uh, the SFR property is is based on comparison values around uh, either recently completed sales, properties that are for sale, uh, and and there's a huge emotional component. You know, the people that buy houses to live in, 
they might like one on one block way better than the one on the next block and they're willing to pay more or less for, for the property. So you have that working for you because you have complete control, by the way, over what you buy. So if you have a little emotional component and you love that, the house is cute and stuff, chances are the buyer's gonna see that too. I have a little emotional component for you. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. After all these years. Yeah. Multi-tenant properties that. are purely, purely gauged on, there's no cuteness factor to a multi-tenant property. I hope I have a cuteness factor. I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> Maybe between episodes. This is me trying to break it up and make it way more fun. <laughs> multi-tenant properties are based on capitalization rates or uh, gross rent multiplier all kinds of statistics. So the only way that a multi-tenant property works in my mind is if the rents are below market and in a place like California, they're dramatically rising constantly. You know, affordable housing is a big word right now. So there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of stuff going on with multi-tenant property. And if you're lucky enough to get one at a good price where the rents are real low, kick everybody out, clean it all up, allow pets or some trick like that, lease it back up and resell it for a capitalization rate that was better than you bought it for, congratulations, you made yourself 100 to 300,000 bucks. There's 60 moving parts there versus buying a house that goes like this. You buy a house for 60 to 80% of its value and resell it the next week for retail value because the market's going up just as much as the multi-tenant property. So if that's not super clear and concise, I don't know what is. It makes a lot of sense. It really does. If you've got a strong stomach and you have a really good tool set, multi-tenant properties could work for you. Yeah. But the chances are you're not going to buy a multi-tenant property and resell it for more, you know, two weeks later. You know what? That's what I was going to say. In fact, you're not going to. Here's what I would argue with, too, this, and this is a, my last point on this, is... If I did the whole multi-tenant plan, I could expect to hold that thing for probably a minimum a year to 18 a year. months. A year, I'd say a year. By the a time I move year, people yeah. out, right, do so. the renovations we talked about, I add a little washer and dryer in there everybody loves. Now you add up the you add the pets to lease it back up and sell it. If I'm lucky, 18 months. And nope. what I could have, the, the amount of financial profit I could have made just happily doing easy SFRs in 18 months, is I would argue I can make more money. Yeah. With a lot less headache. I'm happy you could join us today. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> happy you could join us today. You're silly. <laughs> um, where am I? Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you can find us on the Land Academy Show. Tuesdays and Thursdays for this last week, we are here on the House Academy Show. Tomorrow, the episode on the House Academy Show is called How to Go from Land Hobby Enthusiast to business owner. You are not alone in your real estate ambition. I'm excited for that one Me too. too. That's that's good. That happens a lot. Yeah. A lot of people spend too much time in the hobby zone, kind of like the friend zone. You don't want to be in the friend zone. You want to commit <laughs> or move on. Wow. Think I'm kidding? No, I don't think you're kidding at all. That's no, that's why I just thought of that by the way. It just came funny. to me. Just like dating. Either commit or move on. Thank wow. you. The House Academy <laughs> Show remains commercial free for you, our loyal listener. So wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, please subscribe and rate us there. We are Stephen Joe. Information and inspiration to buy undervalued property and dating. <laughs>